all you have. You are now tuned in to Hawkins Rays. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Star Wars family? How is everybody doing today? I hope everybody is doing well. I don't know about everywhere else, but mostly the United States is under a mandatory mask order. So you have to wear a mask everywhere you go. This is the part that I don't understand. The virus is not airborne, so how is the mask supposed to keep you from contracting the virus? Plus, you are touching your face every time you put the mask on. Then they say don't touch your face, wash your hands, don't touch your face. So now you're at a higher risk of getting the virus. It just seems that you are danged if you do, danged if you don't. But that's just my thoughts. I'm not a doctor or scientist, so what do I know? But there is just a lot going on in the world. Now, from the grapevine, I heard that Disney will be cutting the budget for all future Star Wars movies. The franchise is doing a great job of keeping quiet about what will happen on the big screen in the coming years. But don't be surprised if it's done on a smaller scale. According to some of my sources, Lucasfilms has some changes on the way. Among those changes will be lowering the budget of any new movie. It doesn't seem that it has to do with the franchise itself. The report indicates that it has to do with global economics. Disney is one of the companies that has been hit hard. Considering that movies like Star Wars cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make, it is reasonable to cut costs there. The Rise of Skywalker had a budget of $275 million, which is extremely expensive. Then we have Solo, which had a giant budget as well. And since the movie had to be shot twice, once by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and then again by Ron Howard, which brought the budget of that movie up to around $275 million range, and we all know how that turned out in the box office. Point being that these movies are extremely expensive to make. Even with $100 million, they could accomplish a lot. It would definitely be smaller compared to other Star Wars movies. That is not to say that it wouldn't be good. Technology has paved the way for an innovation that cost a lot less, but it could allow for Disney to be more creative with the story and have less financial pressure. They will be able to take more creative risk, and that's what the franchise needs. But something that I don't understand is why Disney is trying to get rid of the Jedi. If you think about it, there is no Jedi in Solo or Rogue One, the two standalone movies. Doesn't Disney know that the Jedi are what makes Star Wars great? We want the Force. We want lightsabers. That's what we like. Well, that's what I like. I can't speak for everyone else. And that's what I'm willing to pay to see. If Disney wants to make money off of Star Wars, they need to make movies about Yoda, Revan, or even a Darth Bane trilogy. That would be dope. But we will have to wait to see what Lucasfilms and Disney will do. For now, all we can do is hope that they make some good decisions. And that brings us up to the quote for this week. I really hope that these quotes benefit you throughout the week. I know that they open my eyes up to a different point of view on things. And this quote is coming from Grace Connington. And she said, always keep your eyes open because what you see can inspire you. I thought this was a good quote for the situation the world is in right now. Don't let all the negativity going on in the world put blinders over your eyes to the beauty that the world still has to offer. Hey, that's a pretty good quote in itself, two for one. But what I mean is don't stop looking just because most of what you see is dark. There are still so many inspiring things that you can see. Remember, something you see might just open your eyes to the next great idea. Don't allow evil to cloud your mind so much that you stop thinking for yourself. The world doesn't control our thoughts yet. Okay, okay, enough of all that. We have a book that's waiting for us, so let's get started. Scourge led them up the stairs and back to the breach in the wall where the Emperor's guard had first burst in. Though they could hear the distant sounds of battle echoing faintly through the halls, they didn't encounter combatants from either side. Once they were outside, Mitra allowed herself to breathe a sigh of relief. Night had fallen, but several fires burning inside Nyrus's stronghold illuminated the grounds, giving them a clear view of the destruction. The thick stone walls surrounding the courtyard and the building had been reduced to rubble, and judging by the number of bodies strewn about the courtyard, this had been the location of the fiercest fighting. 
they picked their way through the carnage to where Scourge's speeder stood unharmed near the landing pad. Every vehicle around it had been destroyed by artillery fire. It's a miracle this thing's still in one piece, Revan remarked. The guard must have been watching our arrival, Scourge said. They knew which speeder was mine. The four of them climbed in, Revan and Mitra helping T3, then headed for the cave where Mitra and Scourge had first met. During the journey, Mitra tried to study Revan without being too obvious. He was still wearing the red and gray mask. For her, this was his true face. She knew what he looked like beneath his helmet, but he had almost never removed it during their campaign against the Mandalorians. Seeing him in the cell without it had struck her as odd. The passage of the years and the suffering he had endured as a prisoner were clearly etched on his features. When he wore the mask, however, all that was hidden. It made him look indomitable, invincible, a legend come to life. Mitra remembered what Bastila had said to her when she had given her the mask. She said she had hidden it from Revan for all those years because she feared what it represented. She feared it would change him. Now Mitra understood what she meant. Without the mask, he looked more human. It was easier to remember he was just a man, with all the weaknesses and vulnerabilities that implied. With the mask, however, Revan was an icon, a symbol. He was the shaper of history, an individual defined by his actions rather than his thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Maybe Bastila was right. Maybe Revan needed to become what he once had been to survive this. He had easily bested Darth Nyrus, but the Emperor was a much greater opponent. And yet, she couldn't help but feel some small tinge of regret, knowing the man Bastila loved might have been swallowed up by the weight of Revan's own past. Scourge brought the speeder into land, and the three passengers disembarked. You're not coming? Mitra asked when the Sith made no move to join them. I'm going back to Ka City, he said. I'll see if I can learn any more details about the attack. If we're lucky, the Emperor has spread his resources too thin, leaving him vulnerable. Now might be the time to strike. Bring back some supplies, Revan said. Food, water, soap so I can wash the filth of that prison off me. Scourge nodded. I'll be back in a few hours. The three of them went into the cave. T3 using his lamp to illuminate the dark interior. The cave was empty now. While waiting for Scourge to return from his meeting with the Emperor, Mitra and T3 had buried the bodies of the fallen security chief and his soldiers in a bare patch of ground a short hike away from the cave's entrance. I'm sure you're eager to change out of those clothes, Revan said. What about you? Mitra thought. Why haven't you taken off that mask yet? We have something to show you first, she said. T3, play the holovid. The droid rolled up beside them, projecting a 30-centimeter-tall image of Bastila, cooing over Revan's three-year-old son. I don't know if you'll ever see this, Bastila said, adjusting a lock of hair on the boy's head as she spoke to the holo recorder. But I have to believe you'll return someday. And when you do, I thought you'd want to share your son's birthday. Revan didn't say anything. As if in a daze, he slowly sat down on the floor so the projection was at eye level. Wave to Daddy, Bastila said, pointing in the direction of the recorder. Say we miss you. 
the boy did as instructed, waving his tiny arm vigorously as he repeated Bastila's words. Demetra's relief, Revan reached up and removed his mask as the holovid continued to play, setting it down on the ground beside him. I know we didn't discuss names before you left, but I called him Vayner. Revan smiled, realizing it was an anagram of his own name. I want him to know who his father is. I want him to understand you are a part of him. A tear rolled down Revan's cheek as he watched the vid, and Mitra quietly retreated into a dark corner of the cave to let him watch in private. She'd stashed her clothes here before she and Scourge had left for Nyrus's stronghold, and the shadows gave her the privacy she needed to change out of her slave's outfit. Instead of the black pants and sleeveless red shirt she'd worn on her first arrival, however, she once again donned her Jedi robes. She didn't consciously think about her choice, and it was only as she was clipping the lightsaber to her belt that she realized what she'd done. You're following Revan's lead, she thought. If he's wearing Jedi robes, then so are you. Just like old times. As the holovid continued to play, she lingered near the back of the cave. She couldn't help but overhear Bastila say, I love you, Revan. As the recording came to an end, I love you too, Revan responded, the acoustics of the cave making his voice unnaturally loud. Mitra shifted her feet uncomfortably at the exchange. She wasn't jealous of Bastila. Mitra loved Revan, but not in that way. She never had romantic feelings for her mentor. Rather, she regarded him with deep admiration and intense devotion. At this moment, however, she was acutely aware that Bastila and Revan shared a relationship that went far deeper than what Mitra shared with him. She knew she shouldn't begrudge them that, but some small part of her couldn't help but feel her reunion with Revan had been preempted by a holovid. T3 beeped inquisitively as the video came to an end. Of course, Revan said. I'll watch it a hundred times over if I can. But give me a minute. He stood up and went to join Mitra in the back of the cave. Thank you for this, he said, and for saving me. It was nothing. No, Revan said, shaking his head. Do not underestimate all you've accomplished. Nobody else could have found me across an entire galaxy. Nobody else could have saved me from my imprisonment. He studied her for a moment. I was told you had been cut off from the Force, but I can sense its power in you. I always knew you had great potential, but you have become far greater than I could have ever imagined. I'm just following in your footsteps. Not anymore, Revan replied. You have blazed your own trail. I can sense you have walked a path even I would not dare to tread. I owe you everything, Mitra. It is a debt I will never be able to repay. No, Mitra said with a wan smile. Without your teaching, I could never have become what I am today. I'm the one who owes a debt she can never repay. Then why don't we call it even? Revan said. A wise and just solution, she replied, as always. Would you like to see the holovid of Bastila and my son? He asked, offering her his hand. It would mean more to watch it with a friend at my side. Of course, she said a lump forming in her throat. It would be my honor.
Now this chapter starts with Scourge leaving Revan, Mitra, and T3 out of Nyrus' stronghold to his speeder. As they are on their way, they see devastation left by the Imperial Guard. They get into the speeder and start heading to the cave where Scourge and Mitra first met. As they are on their way, Mitra looks at Revan, wondering why he still hasn't taken the mask off yet. I get the feeling that she is worried whether or not he has turned back to the dark side. But at the same time, I think that she feels that he might need the mask to be able to accomplish their task. To me, it sounds like he's a punk without the mask, but he is the great and powerful Revan when he puts it on. When they get back to the cave, Mitra and Revan and T3 get out of the speeder, but Scourge doesn't join them. When Mitra asks if he is coming, he tells her that he will be right back. He needs to go to Ka City and try to get some information on what is going on. Revan tells him to pick up supplies and some soap so we can wash up. I'm glad Revan has some sense of proper hygiene. They don't talk about Mitra and Scourge bathing once in the whole book, and that's just nasty. But as the three of them go into the cave, Revan asks Mitra if she wants to change her clothes, get out that stripper attire. She is still thinking why he hasn't taken off that mask yet, and I imagine she is wondering why he wants her to take her clothes off. But before she answers him or says anything about the mask, she tells T3 to play the video that they have for her. As the video of Basila and their kid plays, Revan reaches up, takes off the mask, and lays it on the ground beside him. Then Basila says that she had named their son Vayner, an anagram of Revan. Is there a problem finding names in the Old Republic? Has every name been used? Because everyone keeps switching Revan's name around. But this is when Mitra sees that Revan is distracted. She creeps off to a dark part of the cave and changes her clothes. She hears Basila tell Revan that she loves him. Now she tries to say that she doesn't think of Revan that way, but it seems to me that she does. She says that she isn't jealous of Basila, but you can tell that she does get a little bit jealous. She is constantly reminding herself that she admires him more like a Padawan admires a master. If she didn't feel that way, she wouldn't need to keep saying that to herself. The video finishes and Revan gets up and goes to the back of the cave where Mitra is at. He thinks of her coming to rescue him. He asks her about her being cut off from the force. Honestly, I was hoping that the book would go into a little bit more of Mitra's backstory, but we weren't that lucky. And they just go back and forth about who owes the other one more or whatever. After a few moments, they agree to call it even. Then Revan asks her if she would like to watch the video of Basila and his son. He says it would mean more to him to watch it with a friend. I think after three years in that cell, he just wanted somebody to sit with him. I can't blame him, I'd probably feel the same way. But that's where we're at. Let's finish the chapter to see what else happens. When Scourge arrived back at the cave, he found Mitra and Revan huddled side by side on the floor, staring at a hollow vid projected by T3. He caught a glimpse of a young human female and what Scourge assumed was her child, but as he approached, the droid quickly cut the recording off. What was that? He asked. My wife and son, Revan said. He stood up stiffly and stretched, and Scourge wondered how long he had been sitting on the floor of the cave watching the holovid. He also noticed that Revan had removed his mask. It was sitting on the ground beside him, seemingly forgotten. I didn't know you were married, he said. When Revan didn't answer, it was clear he had no intention of discussing his personal life with a Sith. They might be allies, Scourge realized, but they were far from friends. Which was as it should be. For a Sith Lord, friends were a liability. What did you find out? Mitra asked as Revan extended a hand to help her up. It wasn't just Nyrus who was attacked. The Emperor killed them all. The files you showed me listed five current members of the Dark Council plotting against him. Mitra said, looking to clarify. Are you saying the Emperor's Guard wiped out all five in the space of a single day? I said he killed them all, Scourge replied. All twelve members of the Dark Council, even those who weren't part of the conspiracy. He wanted to send a message no one would ever forget. 
How is that possible? Revan asked. He attacked a dozen of the most powerful Sith Lords in their seats of power simultaneously? How many troops does he have? The Imperial Guard were only unleashed on Nyrus and two others. The Emperor must have assumed they were the ones least likely to answer his summons. The other nine were called together in the hours before the attack to meet with the Emperor at his citadel. None of them left alive. So what's happening now? Mitra asked. News of the massacre spread quickly, Skirt said. As you would expect, the result was chaos. Thousands are fleeing for their lives, fearing we are on the brink of civil war. Others see an opportunity to strike at rivals weakened by the sudden loss of political allies, and armed platoons are roaming the streets. How did the Emperor react? Revan asked. He's declared martial law and imposed a curfew over the entire city. The Guard are enforcing his orders with their typical ruthless efficiency. He also forbade any ship or shuttle to land or leave before he launched his attack, and he shut down all off-world communications. He's quarantined the entire planet, Revan said. He wants to get everything here back under control before any other worlds hear that he slaughtered the entire Dark Council. You told me he was mad, Mitra muttered. But this is outrageous. There had to be a better way for him to handle this. Thousands of his people are going to die before order is restored. The last time I was here on Dromundkos, I peered into the depths of the Emperor's mind, Revan told them. A thousand lives mean nothing to him. The last time you were here, Skirt said, pouncing on the phrase. Have some of your memories returned? Seeing my old mask triggered something. I remember everything now, Revan admitted. Malik and I learned the Sith still survived. We came here to Drummond Cost to investigate. Posing as mercenaries, we spent months learning everything we could about the Emperor and his people. Even back then, he was already planning his invasion of the Republic. When Malik and I learned of his preparations, we tried to stop him. We found a member of the Imperial Guard who was willing to sneak us inside the Citadel. Impossible, Scourge declared. The Guard are bound to the Emperor's will at the end of their training by a powerful ritual. They would never betray him. True, but we didn't know that at the time, Revan explained. We were being led into a trap. The Emperor wanted us to come to him. When we got to his throne room, he was ready and waiting. His voice dropped low. We underestimated his power. When we confronted him, he didn't even have to fight us. Instead, he broke our wills. He dominated our minds, turning us into puppets to do his bidding. He sent us back to the Republic as the vanguard of his invasion, with instructions to report back when all resistance was crushed. But though we had underestimated the Emperor's power, he underestimated us as well. Our wills were stronger than he thought. Our minds twisted and perverted his instructions until we thought we were acting of our own accord. Malik and I were turned to the dark side, but in doing so we found the strength to block out all memory of the Sith and the Emperor, partially freeing us from his control. But you still called yourself Sith, Mitra said, puzzled. You still attacked the Republic and brought it to the verge of collapse before the Jedi captured you. And even after you stopped Malik, the Republic was still as vulnerable as it's ever been. Why didn't the Emperor just invade then? He didn't know what had happened, Revan explained. He was waiting for us to report back. 
When he heard nothing, he assumed we had failed. He returned to his original plans, slowly and carefully building up his strength so that when he finally did invade, there would be no chance of defeat. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Mitra glanced over at Scourge, and the Sith could guess what she was thinking. He'd originally allied with them because he feared invading the Republic would be a disaster. With Revan implying the Emperor could actually succeed, she feared he would turn on them. Two days earlier, she would have been right. However, everything had changed when Scourge met the Emperor in person. I won't betray you, he assured her. When I spoke with the Emperor, I briefly touched his mind. What he did on Nathema only hints at the horrors he is capable of unleashing on the galaxy. I truly understand what he has become, and I know that unchecked, he will lead us to annihilation. It is inevitable. A good speech, Mitra said. But why should we believe you? It's true, Revan assured her. When the Emperor broke my will, he looked into my mind, and I was able to see the reflection of his own evil. Invading the Republic is only the first step of his plan. He has become obsessed with power and immortality. The dark side is like a cancer inside him. It grows faster than he can feed it. He has consumed an entire world, but he still hungers. And with his hunger comes an all-consuming fear. He has lived a thousand years. He knows he could live many thousands more. He's terrified of death. Everyone is scared of dying, Mitra said. Not like this. For him, death is not merely the end of his physical existence. The Emperor has spent a millennium gathering his strength. If he dies, he will lose everything. The thought of near-infinite power slipping from his grasp has driven him mad. In his twisted mind, the only way to preserve what he has accomplished is to annihilate every potential threat in the galaxy. Nefima was just the beginning, Scourge agreed. He will destroy world after world his power and madness growing in concert until he alone is left, Emperor over an empty and lifeless galaxy. Mitra stared at the two in horror. You've been to Nathema, Scourge said. You felt the void. You know what the Emperor is capable of. She understands, Revan said, reading her expression more accurately than Scourge. That's not it. He's quarantined Drummond Koss, Mitra said, trying to lead them to the same conclusion. What if he's preparing to do the same thing here that he did on Athema? Scourge hadn't considered that possibility, and it chilled him to his core. Is that possible? he asked. Nyris told me the ritual on Athema took days, if not weeks, and the Emperor had to trick hundreds of other powerful Sith into working with him so he could draw on their power. He's stronger now, Revan said. But even if it's possible, I don't think he'll go that far. At least not yet. He's too patient, too careful. Drummond Koss is the heart of his empire and the seat of his power. He has too many valuable resources here to throw it all away. But once he is ready, 
There will be nothing left to stop him from launching his invasion of the Republic. What do you mean? Mitra asked. Scourge answered on Revan's behalf. The Emperor had to keep his plan secret because he knew the Dark Council would oppose him. Now they are wiped out. And whoever he picks to replace them will remember what happened to their predecessors and be too terrified to speak out against him. He can also use this to rally the will of the people, Revan added. He can claim the Dark Council was working with agents of the Republic, and that is why he destroyed them. He will claim the Sith Empire has been rediscovered by its old enemy. He will convince his subjects that the only hope of survival is to strike first. He won't make his proclamation until order is restored on Drummond Kaas, Scourge noted. That doesn't give us much time, Mitra remarked, remembering how efficiently the guard had overrun Nyrus's stronghold. The guard are patrolling the streets, enforcing the curfew, Scourge said. Only a handful remain stationed at the Citadel. Now is our best chance to strike at the Emperor. This time I know his tricks and tactics, Revan assured them. I can shield my mind from being dominated by his will, and I can show you how to do the same. We should wait until dawn, Scourge said. There will be fewer people out in the light of day, and most of the guard will be recovering at the barracks after patrolling the streets all night. Good, Revan said. That gives us a few hours to try and get some rest. Both Mitra and Scourge nodded in agreement, though the Sith doubted any of them would get much sleep. So after a few hours, Scourge returns to walk into Mitra and Revan watching the video of Basila and his son. T3 hurries up and cuts it off, keeping the Sith Lord from seeing too much. Scourge being Scourge asks what the video was. Revan tells him that the video was of his wife and son. Scourge said, I didn't know that you were married. We never talked about that. Revan is like, and we still aren't going to talk about it. Which is fine with Scourge, he ain't looking to make no friends. They were working together to stop the Emperor and not become best buds. Mitra asks Scourge what he had found out, and Scourge tells him that the Emperor had killed them all. When Mitra asks Scourge to clarify, Scourge tells him that the Emperor had killed everyone of the Dark Council members, all 12 of them. Revan is stunned to hear this. Uh, yeah, the Emperor is a bad dude. He asks Scourge how is it possible to kill all of them. Scourge tells him that three were taken out by the Imperial Guard, Nyrus and two others, and the other nine the Emperor killed himself. Okay, if I were any one of them, Revan, Mitra, or Scourge, I would be questioning myself right at this point. If the Emperor can take out nine of the most powerful Sith Lords all by himself, then what chance did the three of them have against him? I keep saying it. The Emperor is no one to mess with. He is the most powerful dude in the whole universe. If I were them, I would be thinking, we're gonna die. At the same time, I can see why the Emperor would kill all 12 of the members. He needs to send a message that he is not going to be crossed. And I think he does just that. The whole planet is going crazy. Everyone is either fighting or running. The Emperor has shut down the entire planet and the Imperial Guard is taking anyone down caught in the streets. Mitra is heartbroken knowing that thousands of people are going to die and thinks that the Emperor can handle the situation better. Then Revan tells them that when he was here last time, he looked into the mind of the Emperor. The life of a thousand people means nothing to this dude. Skur realizes that Revan said the last time he was here and asked if some of his memories return. This is where Revan tells them that he can remember everything. Revan tells them when him and Malak had found out that the Sith were still alive, they had came to Dramakos to find out what they could. When they learned about the Emperor's plan to invade the Republic, they found a member of the Imperial Guard that would help them. 
Scourge is like, that's impossible. The Imperial Guard are connected to the Emperor through a powerful ritual that never turn on him. Raven is like, yeah, me and Malak didn't know that at the time. Raven continues to tell them that the Emperor didn't even have to fight them. He just sat there and took over their minds. See, that's what I'm talking about. This dude is too powerful to stop on their own. They should figure out a way to get off the planet, go back to the Republic and get some help. But that's just my thoughts. Then Raven tells him that after he took over their minds, he had sent them back to the Republic to start a war and return when they had weakened the Republic. But somehow he and Malika was able to break the link, but their minds had been corrupted. And they tried to conquer the Republic themselves under the name of the Sith. They had completely forgotten that the Sith had even existed. Mitra was like, you and Malik had weakened the Republic a lot, so why didn't the Emperor just attack then? Raven tells her that the Emperor didn't know what had happened. They never came back to tell him. He went back to his original plan to become so strong that he would be able to win. Mitra looks at Scourge knowing that he was only with them because of the fear they would be wiped out if they attacked the Republic. Knowing that they could win might change his mind. Scourge tells him that he will not betray them. Mitra is still skeptical of Scourge. Then Raven reassures her that Scourge is still on their side. Scourge tells her that when the Emperor let him inside his mind, he's seen that the Emperor would not stop at the Republic. He needs to feed his hunger for the Force, and he would destroy the entire galaxy to become ruler of a lifeless universe. Okay, if the Emperor needs to feed off the Force, and he kills everyone, he would die, because there would be no Force. So how is this a good plan? I can't believe a dude that is a thousand years old would be that stupid. But Revan said that his lust for power has driven him mad, not thinking correctly. Mitra brings up the point that what if he is planning to do to Dromacos what he did to Nathema? Scourge is like that took time to plan and he needs a lot of Sith Lords to complete the ritual. Revan is like he is way more powerful now, he might be able to do it himself. But he doesn't think that that is his plan. He needs Dromacos to conquer the Republic. It is the heart of the Empire. He will trick the people into attacking first using their fear to rally them into action. He will lie and say that he killed the members of the Dark Council because they were working with the Republic to overthrow him and save themselves. They agree that they must hurry up to face the Emperor before he is able to start his plan. They will strike at dawn using their remaining time to rest and prepare. And that's where we're at. You'll have to tune in to Chapter 26 to find out what happens next. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.